Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Daylight podcast for the one week season exploring the JM to win uh, player grid. I am your host, Todd Burroughs at Todd from PA, and I wanted to reward Lex for such a really great performance last week. So I invited him to a three man with Mark Garcia and myself, and then Hilo's sister went into labor. So it is just Lex and I again, and he'll be with us in a few minutes. So I wanted to talk about last week because last week was um, one of my best weeks of the season, but it almost was a monster. So I finished 11th in the play action, and I finished 42nd in the slant. Uh, In the play action – I believe I switched Goddard for uh, what's his name, uh, the, the guy, the tight end for uh, Seattle, Holling, whatever, um, and that didn't work out, and that cost me a lot of money. But I, I'm not kicking myself about that because uh, he just, you know, no one could have predicted uh, Zach Ertz uh, getting hurt. And that opening up such a big uh, opportunity for uh, Goddard. I still think that was the right move. Uh, Jacob Hollister, I switched to. Uh, At one point, I was sixth or no, I was second in the play action with Hollis after Hollister got his early catch. And then uh, he just didn't do much the rest of the day. It was really tilting. Um, in the slant, I had Fitzgerald and Mike Williams. And after Fitz caught that second touchdown, which later got overturned, I was up $13,000 and Mike Williams did anything. Long story short, it was a great week, but I just missed. And it was uh, a little devastating, to be honest. But, you know, because. When you think about it, to come in 11th out of 109,000, it's hard to do that. And I've had three or four times this year where I had real good shots to get in top five, and it just hasn't happened uh, other than that uh, showdown slate where I tied for, uh, I forget if it was third or fifth, uh, and won three grand. So um, I did have a profitable day. It was $1,700 in profit, but you know, so close, so close to um, a much, much bigger day. Um, 42nd out of 
200 and something thousand in the slant. Again, nothing to sneeze at. But when you get that close, it's frustrating when you don't close. And then last night I wake up, it's like 1230 in the morning. I check my NBA lineups and I'm winning $9,000. I'm in first place in the $4, the 20 entry $4. Long story short, I had Booker and the people behind me had D'Angelo Russell. And I think D'Angelo Russell outscored. uh, There was only eight minutes left when I woke up and I ended up in 22nd place and won $300. So I have been really, really close to winning a lot of money, and I haven't, but we will go after it and try and do it this week. So beyond my own personal, you know, life and, you know, close but no cigar, because, you know, ultimately you can win a GPP or get into third spot, and there there's someone else who – has the same story I had. So you really can't take it too much to heart. But how did I get so close? Well, it's funny because last year I was locked in on main lineups most weeks on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday were were a bit of formalities, um, a lot of weeks. And this year I, I found myself Sunday morning processing everything from this pod and from all the other content that I've taken in from and looking at everything. And what I did last week was on the, you know, I listened to JM talk about uh, the Joe Mixon news. And this is why it's good to have two sources, you know, one, which is kind of JM's way of doing things. And the other is strictly more numbers based, right. Uh, With the daily Roto projections. So Drew Dinkbeyer had talked the day before on the Daily Roto pod about how they were lower on Mixon than most people. So when you take that bit of news with the news about Mixon being sick, and I took Mixon down from 59%. I, I used the opto this week uh, for, for my lineups down to 16 max. And then I raised and boosted Saquon Barkley. And I just, I don't want to call it a feeling, but he was under-owned. He had the talent. He seemed to be finally healthy. And I, and I ended, you know, I boosted him till I got him into the high thirties or early forties percent owned. And then the other thing I did was I had put, um, some Andy Dalton in my mix. And I had, uh, again, I, I lowered my Carson Wentz. I raised my Russell Wilson, which turned out to be, you know, uh, kind of a, a net even, but I had eight per I was more, I was more high on Danny dimes than um, the Washington quarterback. He, he was just a better quarterback. Um, and I, you, you, you always hear me talk about talent. Um, so, and then I just, in the morning, I, I, I texted Hilo and I just said, I'm going Dalton. Uh, I'm going to get 8% Dalton. Uh, I think the matchup is great. Uh, He's not going to be owned. So uh, I had one Danny Dimes lineup, uh, get to 42nd. And I had the, or I forget which was, I think the Dalton lineup 
which was a bit lucky. You know, you talk about the bad luck with, uh, with, uh, with Jason, but, you know, I got really lucky that, um, you know, that the, the, the Bengals went off so late in that game. So um, that's how I got to where I was. Uh, one of the things, you know, that's one of the keys. And the, the main thing I want to talk about with the optimizer is the rules that you set up. So last week, you know, I made a rule with Danny Dimes that I wanted at least two of Slayton, Shepard, Tate, and um, Barkley. So uh, that, you know, I, I really think if you are going to be serious about uh, mass multi-entry and you're going to use the optimizer, you know, without really understanding groups and using groups, it, you're going to be at a big disadvantage. So I, I got to talk to JM about it a little bit, but, uh, you know, it, it, I want to see where they where we're at with next year. But I definitely want to spend more time talking about the optimizer and how to maximize it. The last time I did the opto, it didn't work out this time. It did. Um, I'm with JM that this is a tighter week, but I I can't just get to one lineup. So I am going to play the spy. I'm going to play five uh, milli makers. And then I am going to mass multi-entry and do 20 in the play action, a bunch of the $5 flea flickers and a bunch of the $1. And again, hope to catch that one lineup that gets to the top. So that's really the lesson of the day. The My, my story of woe and how I kind of got there on Sunday morning. Uh, so don't be afraid to wake up on Sunday morning, especially tomorrow, because we could have a lot of news around the inactives. And, you know, I've talked a bunch of times about how ownership projections really aren't very good until Sunday morning. And that's when I, you know, made my changes so again, tomorrow, I haven't even made any lineups, but one, I haven't even done too many rules on the opto because it is such a bad week for quarterbacks. And one thing that's not good on an optimizer is to put too much, too many. Um, it's very tempting when you first start to limit your exposures, but really the key to an optimizer and the way they work, you, you don't want to throttled the optimizer down too much. The one position where I do that is quarterback. And so, because if you have good groups and you say, okay, I want, you know, max 30% of quarterback a and max 20 of B. And I, I leave a little bit of room. I go to like 105 or 110%. Uh, that what that does is it gives the optimizer um, a really good chance of uh, of working properly. So uh, that's where we're at on the optimizer. So tomorrow morning, I am going to be looking at final ownership and making decisions. Uh, but uh, that's it for that. And uh, sorry for the a little bit of all over the place introduction. And with that being said, Lex, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. Excited. No worries. I, I told you you would hear my story. What do you think? 
uh, it's just, uh, it's like, you know, it's the way it goes. And yet it's like, I did those, those like simple decisions that you just, you think about for the next, you know, the next year until the next season, you know? The the worst one for me was last year when I finished 16th in the Millie Maker, because when you get that close to life-changing money, you know, like even if I had won the slant, well, the slant was 500000 yesterday, so maybe that's a bad example. But even if, I, you know, I, I'm 57, I mean, going through a divorce, but, you know, I've had money. Uh, it would be really nice to make up for the money I'm going to lose in the divorce, but you know, if I had won $50,000, that would help me a lot. Don't get me wrong, but it, it wouldn't change my life like winning a million would. Um, so I don't eat my heart. You know, it, the one that I that, that stuck with me was coming so close in the millionaire maker. Um, I think I was five or six points from a million bucks. Oh, jeez. That's, well, it's a good story now, right? Well... The, the goal is to keep plugging away. You know, the, the encouraging thing is three or four times last year and three or four times this year, I've gotten in the mix to win that kind of money. And you would like to think that one of these times it's going to happen, right? You know, I've, I have have won a couple GPPs in DFS, none for huge money. Uh, none more than like three or four grand, but I've never taken down a major tournament, but I've come really close five or six times. And that makes you think that, you know, let's just keep focusing on getting better and, you know, saying our prayers and, you know, if it be God's will, one of these days, you know, you get that magic lineup. So let's move to the quarterback position where there are literally nobody on the player grid this week. So who right now are you, who's in your player pool right now at quarterback? Um, I think I can definitely see why he put none in there. I mean, it is kind of all over the place this week. Uh, the guy that I've been starting most of my rosters with when I look at the salaries is still Carson Wentz um that Giants pass is so bad and I kind of like that he even though he has a um pretty narrow distribution of targets with some weaker players that it's it's easy to stack it when you know that they're pretty much going to Greg Greg Ward or Dallas Goddard or Miles Sanders so um if it was a tougher matchup I might be concerned about those players being his best options but when it's the Giants pass defense I don't know. I, I really like Wyant. I still think he's underpriced compared to some of the other guys. And um, I expect Daniel Jones to at least be able to put some points back on the board on the other side. So I think all those, all those things add up to a great spot for Carson Wentz. Yeah. Uh, once again, uh, you know, he is my number, you know, my main guy. And, you know, it's a little scary because the ownership, let me take a look at the latest ownership. Uh, on the uh, that we have, and uh, right now he's eight percent, so he's gone up, and I, I think he's going to end up more than, more like eleven or twelve percent because Dewey Roto touted him, uh, JM touted him, which leads me to believe that he's going to be more owned than people expect. But to me, that player block is the most enticing thing out there. JM's also on Goff 
And that one I want your thoughts on because I've heard a lot about them resting players and, you know, I, I think they do want to win the game, but I don't know. I, I just, you know, I know it's Arizona, but he's hard to stack with. Uh, because there are three or four receivers, you know, with Higby and Woods and Cup, and you know, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm torn on Goff. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'll share my thoughts. I think on on the situation because I think matchup wise, I mean, he just got everything we want in that situation. But motivation, I, you know, I've heard some people talk about how McVay likes to aggressively rest players, which I think it's based on how he treated the preseason and then the final week of uh, 2017, but that's really the only time we've seen it is when they already had a locked up playoff spot. And then last year they didn't rest because they still were fighting for playoff seating. So this is the first time we've ever had a situation with McVay where there's not really anything to play for. So it's like you can rest your guys, but they still, maybe they want to play for pride. It's a very tough situation to get a handle on. I, he's someone that I probably, I probably wouldn't go too heavy on. I mean, I just think it's really risky. Um, but he definitely is in a good enough spot where it's probably, you know, smart to maybe take at least a shot or two on him and some of those guys because you can't really drop a better situation than, you know, him, Woods, and Higby and some of these guys up against that, that Arizona pass D. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to see, again, ownership will decide my – you know, after the pod tonight, what I'll probably do is do my groups for a wider – It you know, it takes time to do groups, um, you know, because basically when you do groups on a team, there's three steps. There's first is who do you want to stack with that guy? So typically with a guy like Goff, I want to rule – you know, for him to really win a tournament, you, you're going to want two players uh, with him. So you would make a rule of uh, at least two of, you know, Cup, Woods. Uh, maybe you throw in Gurley on certain teams where there is, you know, where they catch passes. You know, uh, the tight end Higby, uh, Cooks. Uh, you want at least two of those guys with him. That's rule number one. Um, a guy like, you know, on a normal week, Lamar Jackson, you might, you will, you, you almost never want to force two guys on a roster, a running quarterback. Uh, so maybe you would make a rule of at least one of Marquise Brown and Andrews, but sometimes I won't even have a rule for a running quarterback. And then maybe I'll, I'll make sure that I got just enough stacks, um, but I don't want to force a stack in every lineup. Uh, the second thing you want to do is you want to make sure, you know, if there is a running back, like with Jackson and Ingram, I, I'll make a rule that says, at most one of, because I, 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 it's pretty hard for, you know, a running quarterback and a running running back uh, touchdown dependent to both give you a slate winning upside. So the second rule you want to have is, you know, sometimes maybe, you, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, the other thing is with the main stack is I don't put in, second tier guys right so when i make a like right now i wouldn't put in uh, josh reynolds as one of my two guys I, w I wouldn't put in gerald everett uh yeah there's a chance that they could be on a winning lineup but that chance is very small and what you what ends up happening if you allow too many meh 
players into your pool, there's a very good chance that you won't win. Um, and then the third rule is you, you want to make a rule of who are you bringing back, you know, with Jared Goff. So every Jared Goff lineup, you know, would you want a Fitz? Would you want a Kirk against a team that's that spread out like the Cardinals? You might not want a room, a, a rule like that. So uh, those are the three key components in groups to making uh, a good, good lineups and, you know, besides the uncertainty with Goff, you know, just describing those rules to you it, it isn't the most appetizing scenario, correct, uh, Lex? Yeah, no, he's he's definitely – I don't think he's ever going to be one of my favorite guys week to week, you know, probably because of those things you just mentioned. Right, because uh, uh, often, you know, to make great lineups – you want to have someone, you know, for a game, you know, the whole thing about my giant Redskins stack last week was it had Terry McLaurin coming back. Now he did good. And I didn't think to put, because I, this is where it can bite you in the butt. I didn't put Sims in because I didn't want a lot of Sims, but he was the guy who got the 20 something points. If I had done that, I probably would have won a tournament if, if he had gotten into that lineup ahead of McLaurin. Um, anyway, let's uh, not drift too far into optimizer hell. Uh, the Atlanta game with Jameis Winston and Matt Ryan. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, are are one or both of them in your uh, player pool? Um, kind of following the way that both teams' games have been going and trending the last you know few weeks, and then after reading JM's write up, I think I'm only looking at that as one of the kind of stackable games, but not one that I have would have too much exposure on only because I think both defenses are getting, you know, less credit than they deserve for being fairly strong, um, especially the way they've been playing, you know, these last couple of weeks. Um, I think now that doesn't mean that they can't both go off. And I think that's the part where it's important to maybe get some stacks in there, you know, with a guy like Julio without Ridley, just getting all these targets or Hooper in a good matchup. Um, you know, Justin Watson, like you talked about, just you can definitely stack guys with them. So I think you have to consider both because both have shown that they can be, you know, broken open on the back end of the defense. Um, but I do want to respect that they've been playing pretty well and going under the radar the last few weeks. So I'm, I'm probably not going to be overexposed on that game. Yeah. So my, my feeling is that Matt Ryan is by far the more speculative option. Um and so, you know, with Julio and Hooper so likely to be the guys, uh, I'm more likely to go Jameis. And because you can get Jameis with, uh, two, you know, four guys. There are four guys you could make a group with uh, between Brait, Howard, um, Watson, and Perriman. Perriman's gotten expensive. Uh, but I could see making a grouping of those four guys. And, you know, at least two of them in, in a group. And then you could bring it back with one of Julio or Hooper. And that and that's, you know, so I think I might have some Winston stacks. Uh, I want to see where the ownership is right now at 10 percent. I've talked a lot about, you know, if you're going to play a guy, you want to you want to double. Him. So if I wake up in the morning and Jameis is 13, 14 percent, I don't know that I want to go to 30. So in that, if that's the case, I probably would, 
would go eight to ten percent Winston, and you know just try and get you know lucky and and get the right combination if he is a, a slate winner. Uh, but I, I I really I yeah. So we'll get to him in wide receiver. Uh, other other any other quarterbacks that you're very high on for tomorrow. Um, I've looked briefly into Rodgers and Mahomes. I mean, both are on teams that are still fighting for seeding in the playoffs. And I, I think Mahomes is obviously a guy that can pop off in any matchup. I, I mean, I'd be a little concerned with the way Andy Reid has, you know, been about resting guys, but they do still have something to fight for if they think they would rather play New England than Baltimore. And then the Detroit defense has just been getting torched all year by quarterbacks. Um, so even though Rodgers has not been a good fantasy producer for the last few weeks, I think it'd be, I think it'd be helpful to maybe put him in a lineup or two in there. I, I don't know if I want to be overexposing just because of how weak of a fantasy quarterback he's been. And they've been running a lot at the goal line to get Jones touchdowns. Um, but that matchup is so weak that you have to at least, you know, consider him. Yeah. Right now, Rodgers is our highest projected owner quarterback. And if that's the case, what I would rather do is just play Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones in a you know a, a good percentage. And you know what? If Rodgers has that sixty you know forty point day, you know all right, I I didn't win, but you know I'm I, I can't see with his weakness. You know, you know, I I just think Aaron Jones is the more likely guy, and I think Adams will get you. You know, because if Rogers has a big day throwing, it's most likely to come through Devonte Adams. Yeah, with the way they've been targeting Adams lately, I I tend to fully agree with that. The highest-rated quarterback on the slate, and I'm spending so much time on quarterback because. It isn't covered in the grid, right? We we have JM's thoughts on a, a lot of things, and he's more looking to play narrow lineups possibly. Uh, but Dak Prescott is the number one rated quarterback on uh, Daily Roto, and they have tweaked him down, and he's still rated really highly. My feeling is, though, that it looks to me more like a Zeke Elliott game. And with the injury to his shoulder, um, I know it's a game they need to win. But if they get up, you know, 24 to 10, um, or, you know, 28 to 10, or if it looks like the, the Eagles are just going to, you know, run away with the, uh, it against the Giants, then, uh, well, hold on. Is Dallas a late game, too? I think Dallas is. Yeah, they're both late games. So, um, you know, there's there's a good chance that they're out of playoff contention in the third quarter. It wouldn't make a ton of sense to play your quarterback in the fourth quarter if you're if you're ahead against the, the Redskins. So, um, I you know, I, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on Dak? But, I mean, he rates really well. His ownership right now looks pretty good. Um yeah, but. I, I like Dak a lot in terms of, like, the matchup and then maybe the situation is better. Although, I don't know if I would play him if not maybe at least at least giving consideration to, like, a Washington player, you know, on the other end, like Thompson or Sims are both attacking weak parts of that defense or McLaurin if he's healthy. But um, I, I, I don't know if I would 
trust them to give him enough volume if Washington isn't scoring on their end because I think it's a Z game as well. Yeah, I think he's certainly, if he is tomorrow morning 7% owned, I, I, I could see going 15 to 20% back um, on a week where we're struggling so desperately. Um, but, uh, you know, that's why there's nobody on the grid. Tom Brady is another one. Uh, that is rating very high on Daily Roto, and his ownership right now is uh, low at 4%. So uh, your thoughts on Brady? Uh, the matchup is really good. Um, the he, You know, he has good enough weapons. I saw Michelle is sick, um, which honestly, maybe that means they throw more if they don't trust to run as much with White and Burkhead if Michelle misses. So that, that could be a positive for Brady. Um, but other than that, he's definitely an option, just like a lot of these guys. Um, and he's not someone I I feel great about. But, yeah, if he is super low owned, I mean, he, he still is Tom Brady against this Miami defense that just bled points all year. Yeah, if, if Michelle is really dinged up with this illness, I already was thinking of putting in uh, a little bit of Rex Burkhead. Because people think of him as a pass catcher, but he can run the ball too. And, you know, at, the problem with Brady is that, again, it, there's who are you going to stack him with? And who are you going to bring back? You know, is the game going to be close enough to where Brady's still throwing it in the fourth quarter? Um, and, and again, that's why even the top rated guys on this slate are tough to really love. Um, I will throw out a name, and it's a strategy, but I, I like Brett Hundley. You know, he, 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 he played pretty well last week, and he, he just, he's a pretty decent runner, and he's not afraid to run. In fact, he's, he's what you don't want if you're most teams, a guy who, t- you know, puts the ball down and runs with it more than you want him to. And the way to beat the Rams is on the ground. Um, you know, at 4,500, uh, again, there's not anyone I would love to stack him with, but I'm going to have some Brett Hundley lineups. I think that uh, Mitch Trubisky is an interesting guy, uh, although him and A-Rob's price, uh, you know, aren't great. And I think what uh, another guy I like in that late genre, even though he's 5,800, is Drew Locke because the Raiders are so beatable deep. Um, And I think JM talked about that a little bit. And I think if you leave some, uh, some Brett Hundley lineups and you take the chance that Kyler doesn't play, you know, if we don't hear about it overnight, even if we do hear about it overnight, I don't think too many people are going to play Brett Hundley. And then last minute, if Kyler is a go, in the late games, you can, you've got Case Keenum at the same salary that you can switch over to. You've got, you know, uh, it's not a great play, uh, and you can make lineups with, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew. Uh, there, there's four or five lower price guys. Um, I, I think that the Brett Hundley leaving some lineups, if you're doing a bunch of lineups, Leaving, you know, 15% Brett Hundley, you know, last week, the slate winners and Daniel Jones and uh, 
and uh, and Dalton, eight percent was enough to get me close to winning tournaments. Uh, thoughts on Brett Hundley? Yeah, it's actually really funny that you bring him up because he was the the last guy I had on here written down. Because I was I was looking at some of his box scores from when he started a couple of years ago, and he did actually have a couple of really big fantasy performances. I mean, he had multiple three touchdowns, zero pick games. He had some rushing touchdowns, four games above thirty rush yards. Uh, even like Adams managed to have a couple of good games with him, and Jamal Williams as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's still Drake has definitely crept up in price a little bit in terms of like looking at guys with him, but. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think Hundley, especially if he's going over, you know, overlooked at that, that, um, that price range and ownership, I, I think he's, he's good enough fantasy wise to be able to plug into a few rosters. And, and if you have to pivot to case Keenum for the same amount of money, um, you know, there's a good chance case Keenum gives you 15 to 20 points and doesn't kill you. And you don't have to stack case Keenum. Not that he's a running quarterback per se, but if you've got a team that you really like and you haven't stacked up Hundley, you could just, you know, it's, it's a real easy way to pivot out of a guy late if it doesn't work. Yeah, no, right, I, let, I agree. Let's, let's move over to running back where Christian McCaffrey and Aaron Jones are in tier two. And in tier three, Damian Williams, Ezekiel Elliott, Joe Mixon, Sony Michelle and DeAndre Washington are in the mix. Uh, who's your favorite, uh, Lex? Favorite is tough. Um, I think I think that there's some guys close together. I think my my three favorite guys are probably Sanders, um, Jones, and uh, Zeke. But, again, they're all fairly expensive, maybe not as much Sanders. Um so you, you could really – I don't know if you could play all of them, but those would probably be the three guys that I like the matchup. I, I think Sanders – I know Howard's coming back, and there's a little bit of concern, but Wentz already has so few guys he's comfortable throwing to right now. I, I have a hard time believing Sanders is going to lose too much playing time when he's been getting targeted so heavily along with Boston Scott. Um, and then Jones, like if Jamal Williams is out, he gets basically all the usage. Uh, the Detroit's been hemorrhaging receiving production running backs, and I know – he hasn't been getting targeted as much with Devontae Adams back, but maybe with Jamal Williams out, um, he gets some of those targets back. And then Zeke, I think we talked briefly about him before, but Washington just been getting creamed by running backs all year. JM wrote about that as well. Um, I think they're going to try to limit Dak's arm. If Washington struggles to score back, that's probably even better for Zeke, just pounding the ball. Um, I think those are the three, three guys that are probably my favorites for the week. Yeah, I, I haven't made up my mind at running back at all yet. Um, I know that McCaffrey and Elliott and Damian Williams and DeAndre Washington and Aaron Jones and Sony Michelle will be in my pool. Um, I also will have, it's not an ideal matchup for him, but uh, Saquon Barkley at 6% ownership, I, he will, you know, in my Wentz stacks, uh, I will, you know, have Barkley as one of the guys who can come back. And right now in my single entry lineup, I've got, uh, you know, the, the Wentz Ward Goddard with Barkley coming back uh, because it is contrarian. So if you double stack Goddard and Ward and that hits and Barkley goes for 30, 35 points, you know, which he can do, he's good enough to do it. And they haven't thrown to him that much 
but um you know maybe this week you know i mean they they did more last week um you know i i think barkley is a good play and then the guy you know with fournette out he wasn't part of the player grid but i think raquel armstead is a really solid play at 4400 Um, yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's really cheap. He's going to get probably all of the usage on that team. I, I, I don't like their team situation right now in terms of like motivation, the weird stuff going on with their coach and how they've looked the last few weeks. But, but I mean, he's certainly a guy that you'd kind of want to take a shot on because of the expected usage he'll get at that price. Um, and then for McCaffrey, I actually wanted to talk about his situation because I, I know Jan, like, kind of wrote about it but I think it's important to know like both sides of like how I've been looking at McCaffrey is like one when they last played DJ Moore was healthy and the Saints had a fully health almost fully healthy defense and he still had a pretty good game and now without DJ Moore the Saints can focus on him a little bit more however he's also going for all the records but the Saints are missing five defensive starters from that last matchup PJ Williams is going to play safety for the first time since high school when he got slotted in there like last week. Um, so they're definitely just kind of throwing around bodies on defense. So, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things where I, I don't really have an answer to the question, but I think if you're just taking into consideration all the context surrounding it, you've got to consider like everything that's positive McCaffrey about going for the record, about how they're going to try to get in the ball and all that. And the, the Saints defense, even if they want to be geared to stop him, they're not exactly equipped to do that right now. How, but Greer is also terrible. So it's like, I, I don't even have an answer to the question. I just think I, I kind of, I'm just like thinking out loud in terms of, you know, how I've been going about McCaffrey this week. Yeah. Again, I haven't made up my mind, you know, they, as a team, they've got a 16 point total, um, which is pitiful. And so at $10,000, the question isn't, you know, Look, if they go for that record of 220 total yards, you know, I mean, the guy's going to score 35, 40 points, and it's going to hurt if you don't have them, unless Zeke at 8,000 gets you 30, um, unless Aaron Jones at 8,200 gets you 30. Then even if McCaffrey get, goes for 40, you're not dead. Uh, and then it's just, you know, who did you buy for that extra 1800 or $2,000? So right now, McCaffrey is the highest projected ownership player. Uh, and I just haven't, honestly, I would love to tell you I've decided, but I just haven't decided what I want to do there. And I'm going to sleep on it. Uh, I do like Damian Williams. I think that Damian Williams at 4,700, uh, him or Raquel Armstead at 4,400, one of those two is going to be in my main build. I did like Michelle. Um, I think that Nick Chubb is a guy who nobody's going to own. Um, and he, you know, and I think Kareem Hunt also, they're both interesting plays to me against the pitiful uh, uh, Bengals run defense. I mean, Nick Chubb is, might be the best running back, pure running back in the national football league. And, um, you know, I think a little bit of him is not a bad idea. And I'm going to keep Kenyon Drake active. Uh, because the Rams are beatable. Uh, Mixon is another guy who disappointed last week, who will be in my uh, player pool. 
And uh, I might put a little Justice Hill in my player pool, uh, along with uh, Sexy Rexy. Um, anyone that we missed, uh, your thoughts on Kamara? I'm not too crazy about Kamara. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with JM on I think he's just still too expensive. And he, I, I know he scored a couple times last week, but if people are watching – he, he he got a little bit of his burst sack, but he still had a wide open lane for his one touchdown, and the other one was at the goal line. I I wouldn't I'm not really ready to say he's back. You know he he didn't he still didn't look healthy. He he went out of bounds on one of the plays when there was no defender within 15 yards of him. So I I, I don't know. He just he's not getting enough touches, and the Saints don't have quite enough motivation depending on that Packers game for for me to risk you know a roster spot on him with all the running backs there. Yeah, he actually was on one of my two best lineups last week. That you know, I I set the optimizer. I think I only had like eight percent Kamara, and uh, when I was shooting up the leaderboard, I think it was the Dalton lineup. Uh, Kamara was was killing it, and uh, so that worked out okay. Let's move over to wide receiver. Uh, what do you think about Michael Thomas, the hand injury? Um, your your thoughts on Michael Thomas? Yeah. I don't. I'm not too worried about the hand injury. I think he practiced in full towards the end of the week. Um, I my concerns with Thomas are more the some like the Saints. You know, if they're scoreboard watching the Packers game, they they lose incentive because if the Packers are dominating, then there's there's no incentive for the Saints to to even win the game. But I would say that Thomas is uh, only I think a little bit short of 100 yards um, from being a top five wide receiver yard season ever. And I think that the, the Saints will try to get him there. I, I wouldn't say that's their top priority, but since they're they are going into the game believing they need to win, you know, I think that that he I think he's in a good spot. The I wrote a, a few um, things about him in the OWS Collective. He's just been so consistent with Drew Brees. I mean, he has one game under 100 yards um, this whole year with Brees. I I, I think I, I honestly probably feel safer playing him than even McCaffrey even with the uh, concerns about motivation, just because he's been so consistent with Breeze and they really don't, it's not like they're going to go away from him. They just, they don't really have other guys they can throw to. So I, I don't know. I, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm on Thomas still this week. Yeah. I, uh, I get it. I, I, I do. I, I definitely get it. Uh, for me, you know, I like Devonte Adams. I like Julio. Uh, a lot for me is I'm going to be boosting Justin Watson. I think Justin Watson, I know he's 4,900 and, you know, it's going to be hard for him to give you a slate breaker, but he and Greg Ward at 4,700 and 4,900, I feel really good about them. I mean, Perriman's up to 6,700. Uh, everyone I've talked to, including JM, everyone I've listened to, I should say, uh, says that this lines up better for Watson than it does for Perriman. But I, I expect ownership to, let's see where it is right now. Uh, 8% on Watson and 7% on Perriman. Uh, I, I still like, uh, I still like him. Greg Ward though. I did. That's surprising. 18% Kelvin Harmon. They're saying 23%. I find that very hard to believe. Uh, I like Harmon more than Sims. Uh, though uh, I think he fits better against Dallas and with Case Keenum, but uh, 
not a, I mean, I, I can't go crazy if he's going to wait, if I'm going to wake up tomorrow and see 20 plus percent Harmon and 18 percent Ward. That, that's a little disappointing to me. Yeah, I I have a hard time wanting to play Harmon if, at that ownership only because Dallas has still been strong against receivers, you know, this year. So even at that price, if, if he's drawing that kind of ownership, I, I think I'd just probably prefer to take my chances elsewhere. He, I don't know how talented of a player he is yet. Yeah, I, I, I think he's good for uh, single lineups, uh, Watson. I think that they're going to probably score 28 points and that, you know, uh, maybe this week they throw to the tight ends more, but last week, uh, you know, he just really wanted to throw to the wide receivers, Winston. Yeah, uh, so I think I, Watson and Ward both set up well. I, I like Sanu this week. You know, with Edelman banged up, 4100 on Sanu is a, a really good price. He hasn't played well, but this is Miami. And, you know, again, he was hurt, and and he's coming back. Uh, Robert Foster is someone at $3,000 who I'll have a little of. Uh, yeah. Uh, who who do you like that we haven't talked about? Uh, I have been looking a little bit at John Ross. Uh, he's been playing more since he came back from injury. He's actually been pretty good as a field stretcher in the, in the games that he's finished this year. Um, Browns have actually been – they've been decent against receivers all year, I believe. But, I don't know, he's a guy that can pop off in any game with that speed. So, he's a guy I'll probably – I wouldn't go heavy on him, but I, I might throw in a couple lineups. Um, I, I, I think I'll take a chance on Gallup in the – you know, if I'm throwing Deke, uh, Dak in a lineup, just because I think he's the most likely guy to benefit. Um, I don't know if I'd do him and Cooper together. I'd probably – probably decide between the two and then with Cooper's weirdness going on I just I don't know if I feel comfortable trotting him out there and then AJ Brown probably be my other guy just because I know there's volume concerns but he is going to be playing against a few backups in a Texan team that'll probably be resting some of their guys despite what O'Brien's been saying and then um the the matchup it's just it's just a great matchup even if it was the starters in there honestly well, that, you know, to me, I think it's more likely a Derrick Henry game. And we didn't talk about Derrick Henry, but, um, you know, it's not just volume. It's $7,000 salary. Yeah, it is. It's very so tough like to if, pay let, for let's say, let's yeah. say, Yeah, let's say Brown has a great day and it's six for 100 with a touchdown. You know, 16, 22 points, 7,000 you know, versus the chance he doesn't have a day like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'll, I'll focus on other people this week. Let's move over to tight end. Um, uh, <laughs> what percentage of Goddard are you looking at? Uh, for myself, or are you talking the, the ownership chain? Yeah, if you, if you had, you know, out of 100%, where do you want to be on Goddard? Percentage-wise, he's going to be a big chunk. I, I don't, I don't know if I, if I've whittled it down to a number yet, but whatever the ownership is, I'm probably going overweight only because I'm, I, I think there's tight ends, other tight ends I like, but there's no one I'm as confident in this week as Goddard in this matchup versus the Giants, especially with Ertz out. I just, I, I, I really just trust 
what he's going to be able to do this week. And I, I don't, I don't really, I don't feel as comfortable going to other guys um, because I, I just feel more secure in Goddard. Even, even if he's drawing high ownership, I think I just would rather be overweight than underweight. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I've lost a lot of money on OJ Howard this year. I, uh, Travis Kelsey, obviously in the high end, um, is, is a good play. Uh, a guy I like, uh, two, two guys I like a lot uh, more than the field probably is Noah Fant and Darren Waller. Uh, I think the one way that they're going to be able to move the ball against Denver is the tight end. And Waller is 5,400. And with uh, Goddard 500 less, I don't think Waller's, let's see what the ownership on Waller is right now. That says 7%, but I don't know that it'll be that high. I really think that we're, it says Goddard fit 16%. I think Goddard's going to be close to 40% owned. I, I would be shocked if he's not at least 30% owned. And then you figure Kelsey's going to get ownership. Higby's going to get ownership. Howard's going to get some, um, you know, I, I don't expect a lot of ownership on Darren Waller. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I like Walder's spot too as a guy to to go off Goddard for with that similar price. Uh, I still like Austin Hooper a lot this week. Um, I think a lot of the ownership is – maybe they'll still be on him just with the – not the, you know, there's not a very strong amount of tight ends this week, but with Julio soaking up a lot of ownership, I think Hooper might go a, like a little underlooked for how valuable he can be on this yeah, team. Yeah, because he's 5,800 too. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's another um, reason I don't expect Waller – I think people will either go Goddard or Kelsey or Hooper in the upper end. Yeah. Uh, a guy I, that I, I will like, have active, I, like I, I will have Caden Smith active in my, in my uh, giant stacks, 3,700. He's been getting a lot of volume. Um, I think that he is a, a, a pretty decent play. And I think Jonu yeah, Smith some... is also a guy. I would rather take a chance on Jonu Smith than I would on uh, Brown this week. Defense. Yeah, he's way uh, cheaper. Yeah. Defense, uh, you know, I, I never I, – I set in the optimizer a max of 15 to 20, and I don't make every team active. Uh, last week, one of the reasons I made a lot of money was I was on the – and I said it on the podcast, I was on the Colts. Uh, ended up with over 20%. Uh, this week, to me, clearly the best two defenses, uh, dollar for dollar on DraftKings, are the Packers and the Bears. Um, you know, I didn't talk about the player grid at wide receiver. Let me go back and do that. Thomas is there. Uh, Adams, Watson, Greg Ward, Slayton, Sutton, and Shark. Um, and JM is a tight end is on Goddard Hooper and OJ Howard defense. He's on the Patriots, the Steelers. He mentions the Packers, but I think the, uh, the, the bears, you know, he mentions in the, in the notes at 2100, I expect them to be owned a lot. Any defenses you like a lot this week? Uh, some of the ones you mentioned, I'm, I'm definitely looking at one that I didn't see on his player grid is, the Jets again, and I mentioned them last week that I liked them against uh, Hodges, and uh, I I just think they're very aggressive under Greg Williams. They're kind of underrated. They do have some talented players, 
And, uh, again, they're going to be going against Josh Allen and Matt Barkley this week. So I, I'm not really scared of the matchup. They, they, they had a great score, actually, week one versus Josh Allen, like all the way, you know, back to the beginning of the year. Um, so I, they're, they're one that I'll at least consider, you know, when I'm making my lineups. Yeah, I think the Falcons are interesting. They're not a great defense, but Jameis is just so giving. Uh, he truly is the Santa Claus of the DFS industry. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, I think they've been – any defense you play against Tampa, you know, you, you're probably more likely to score than not. Yeah, and looking at that, um, you know, again, Baltimore, even though they're going to be resting people, uh, I, I think that Duck Hodges is uniformly bad. I think the Colts, again, against Jacksonville are certainly in play. Uh, and uh, let's see, anyone. Oh, and I would say, yeah, the Saints, we have all those injuries and they're 4,000. I probably won't do a lot of Saints. Um, in fact, I just blacked them out or grayed them out. Um and I think the Steelers at 3,000 are a pretty decent defense. Um, any final thoughts, uh, Lex? Uh, I think just my my advice to someone, like, I mean, I I wouldn't say I'm someone to model any kind of DFS stuff after, but the way I've played Week 17 is just try to pay attention to everything with the motivation leading up to block, just because sometimes coaches say things during the week and then, you know, they – they kind of change their tune closer to lock. Um, so that's just kind of how I've tried to handle it the last couple of years playing. Um, but I think I, I think we covered all the, the guys that I've been interested in this week. Yep. And to me, uh, what I really want to cover uh, lastly here is week 17. We, you know, the one thing we don't know is what we don't know yet. And I expect overnight more news than normal. I think there are far less, cheap guys this year than on a normal week 17 there's not you know i mean it's a week where there are zero tier one plays so if news happens during the day i think you know leaving that late swap there's a lot of four o'clock games you know what i might do on you know i, I might take 15 to 20 percent of my ownership and just make a rule that I want at least, you know, and have like 20 names in the group and say, I want at least five people. And it just loaded up with people, with, with uh, people in the last game. And then when it gets to be three o'clock and you get the inactives, because even really good DFS players rarely adjust that late their lineups. I think there is a huge opportunity tomorrow to take advantage of news and leave yourself a bunch of lineups that have four to five openings so that you can mix and match based on the news. Your thoughts on that strategy? Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly what I was trying to say there is that there's just so much that can change going into this last week. And, and like you said, I, I think you're right that the prices are just a little bit maybe sharper or just a little bit more expensive this year. So I'm with you on that. And then I was hoping just one last thing I wanted to say is um, just anyone who's listening that read any of my collective stuff this year, I really appreciate everyone that, um, that followed it and liked it. Um, thanks again for having me on. 
I, I really appreciate everything that happened over this past year. Hey, man, you, you've earned it with hard work and by being good. And I know that both JM and myself think a lot of you, and we're, I was really my honor to have you on. Uh, I still would like to have you on a three-man. So if uh, Mark and I do, and, and right now the plan is to do a, a week one playoff pod, you are invited. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you, Todd. All right. That's going to do it, folks. Thank you for supporting the pod this year. It really means the world to me that you guys, you know, listen and and comment and uh, you, you all mean a lot to me. And I hope that if I don't win a GWP, uh, not a gift with purchase, a GPP, I would love for one of you guys to win a GPP. I know that's Al Zeidenfeld's line, but it, I couldn't mean it anymore. And uh, hopefully we all will meet up at the top of the leaderboards. Lex, I will see you next week. All you guys, thank you for a great season, and we will see you soon. And good night.